This is Donnie Tuttle, the Sell Anywhere trainer, coach, and practitioner. Welcome to the only podcast designed for the remote sales professional and the remote leader, helping you live with more joy, more freedom, and more productivity. We believe that your talent is not limited to years of code and that you can build the life that you want while selling from anywhere. What's up, Sell Anywhere crowd? Those who are not limited by their zip code, but are living in the fullness of their talents and their powers. This is Donnie Tuttle, your host of the Sell Anywhere podcast. And um, as you know, my endeavor is to empower those who are selling remotely, who are leading remotely, or uh, who are location independent. Uh, like myself and my family, and um, I scour the globe looking for resources that are going to help you, encourage you, and uh, just make you better at what you do. And I have um, someone I would label as young and hungry, and uh, and, and talented uh, on, on top of that. If you're on LinkedIn and you do anything in sales and selling, there's no doubt you have, uh, you've seen this guy come up. Uh, He popped up on my screen when I saw uh, some astronomical number of calls. I'm going to ask him to share about that a little bit later, but I just want you to welcome to the show, uh, Miles Veth. Well, thank you very much, Donnie. I I appreciate the kind introduction. (laughs) Brother, I always like to start out with where you're at. This is Sell Anywhere, and whether you're in a traditional space or non-traditional, I just like to know your geolocation, my friend. Absolutely. So I was born and raised in the New Haven County, Connecticut area, and my dad is an entrepreneur. So I currently, for the business I'm building, um, share office space with them. Uh, He's helped me out a little bit. So I'm based in New Haven, Connecticut, but definitely resonate with the sell anywhere idea. I'm used to lots of time without having a team and coming from a huge company at EMC where there are 30,000 salespeople to being the sole Veth group salesperson. Um, it is definitely a different experience, dude. All right, so I've got it. I'm jumping right into this. There was um, the, one of my friends liked something or, or commented. Maybe they even threw rocks at you. I can't remember. Um, uh, on the day that you made a buttload of calls, it was like 600 and and so like. Do you remember that? I, I still see the video occasionally. Yeah, so the uh, it, it was a bummer because I wanted to do a thousand. Um, and I got to 681 by 8 p.m. And then I had a friend uh, who's a really great guy at Yale who's doing a lot of missionary work at Yale call me and need a ride home from the airport. So I had to call it quits at 8 instead of, you know, 2 in the morning. So we only got to 681 that day. But we're going to have to circle back around to hit the full 1K. So, so the 1,000 challenge still lives. Still live. But the rules are, because there's a lot of people who – are going to look at this and say there has to be some kind of artificial connect and sell thing. It's a thousand dials by hand. So you're not allowed to use augmentation software. Oh, I love it. this is like Olympic rules. So we're not allowed. Yeah. If you get people dialing in front of you and you're only talking live conversations or something, eight people made a thousand dials. Like we're talking, it is a hundred percent possible to make a thousand in 24 hours. And that's sort of the Olympic rules as, I define them, not that okay. I have the 
authority. All right. Now take me here. Um, you and I have talked uh, uh, quite a bit since then. And I know it's not because you're like, hey, I, I just feel like that, um, you know, dialing random people is what I need to be doing. That's the highest and best use of my time. But take us to uh, well, like, wh what are your thoughts, like maybe encapsulate a little bit of the, the hustle. I don't know, man, like, like, why would someone do that? Yeah, so it's interesting. I what Veth Group, my company or our company, there's, you know, four of us right now. So it's still a small team. Uh, what we're really trying to do is pioneer this idea of demand acceleration. And demand acceleration has three tenants, as we would define it. So you have effectiveness. So what is the highest and best use of your time? And you have efficiency. Once you have that effectiveness, how do you scale that activity and simultaneously use that scale to drive down the cost, which normally involves outsourcing or technology? Then the third thing is consistency. How do I consistently make that machine run? Because if I'm watching for effectiveness, I'm being efficient, and I'm consistently doing it, that's how you build an adaptive and iterative machine. So the idea of why you would do a thousand could be a couple of use cases. You already have a working touch that you'd like to scale because you want more results quickly. So I already know that this script to this market will work. It may be because you want to quickly test something, or it may be because in the third case, you just want to prove to yourself I am capable of this, so I have no excuse for not doing half of this every single day from a consistency perspective. Which of those was it for you on the, on the day that uh, you posted that? What was, what was the challenge for you? What was the reason for it? For me, I think it was just personally, I, when I worked at EMC, which con was considered in Boston kind of the aggressive old school hunting culture, the bar was like 80 to 100 a day. I think now it's 60 to 80 a day. And I used to do a decent number, like 278, but I think was the high mark, but nothing crazy. But I, I think sales is hard and everyone has their own way of approaching it. And for me, I, what I started to do was write down the gap between the amount of calls it took me to get an appointment so I could understand the most calls I ever had to make to get an appointment. Like if that was 900 or something. And I just wanted to start pushing myself as to, you know, stop being a baby, you're capable of doing this. Um, and I also wanted to share, just like you with your community, I wanted every sales manager who doesn't have that context and only has one salesperson, I wanted them to see what was possible. And I wanted every salesperson who might be making 50 dials a day just to realize there is a better way that is completely free and exclusively based off discipline to get sales results. Mm. Mm. All right. So we're talking, Miles, to a crowd of people that... Uh, man, there, there's not really a lot of people looking over their shoulders, right? Mm -hmm. They're at home. They could turn on Dr. Phil if they wanted, <laughs> right? They could, uh, they could go for a walk. Nobody would say anything to them. Can you talk a little bit about the discipline part and, um, and how you've – this is one of the things I, I admire a lot about you. Um, but talk to me about the discipline, how you've uh, in, engaged and locked onto that with your life. What results have you seen and in, in, in how have you, um, I don't know, served this up to others? No, I think it's a great question. I'd love to get your perspective. I'm happy to share mine. So I, I think that in sales, and I view most of life being selling where anything where you're playing a people game, so recruiting, even dating in the personal sphere, sales, there's just an equation. There's certain principles that always hold true. And one of them is just this idea of volume. 
of whatever, trying to make quality good, but volume. So I think the first thing is realizing that whatever your goals are from a sales perspective, even if no one's looking over your shoulder, the, you're going to need a high level of volume. So I think for me, it really comes down to, um, I'm pretty vocal about this on LinkedIn. Uh, I really believe in Jesus Christ and my ability to use business to serve God. And that drives me where I don't get tired. Like I don't, I, I don't want to do other things. Like I don't want to go sit at the beach or like go play Fortnite or whatever other, I mean, I have people I'm very close to in my life who are more important than work is also an expression of my faith. But I think for me, it's that why I'm just, I know that this is what works the best. And mm -hmm. uh, if I really want it, if I actually believe that, um, but I'd love to hear what you think. All right. Well, I'm going to, I'm, I'm writing that down and coming back to it because I, I feel like that's that strong vision part um, is the reason. Um, gosh, I mean, I, I feel like that when, when people are, are missing on discipline, um, it's, it's one of a few things, uh, at least uh, actually I would diagnose it one of three, um, maybe one of four. So the first is uh, they don't have a strong vision. They don't have a strong why. And so uh, you and I, our, our heart beat for the same Jesus. And so that, that's a reason why, right? We do everything as unto the Lord and not as unto ourselves, and, and that's something that can, can bring us beyond regular discipline. So it's a vision. I would say the other one is um, belief or, you know, it's like that focal lens in the beginning. It's, it's faith in myself. Where's my faith? Where's my faith in what I'm doing? Do I believe in what I'm doing? Um, do I believe I can do it? And then in the middle, it's, it's action. Usually the action, it's determined by habits. A lot of times we get into bad habits. Um, and so, um, uh, you know, the, those, I guess that's my take on, on that. And um, honestly, with me, uh, when we move around, sometimes it fluctuates. You know, the discipline thing fluctuates. So having a coach <laughs> who kicks my butt um, definitely, definitely helps. And she encourages me too, but. Yeah, and can you speak to that? I mean, where do you feel like that accountability, like, is that something that you would teach or one of the main reasons coaching can be valuable is people need accountability to really, even if they're on their own, like in this setting? Miles Beth, man, flipping, flipping the interview. I like it, brother. <laughs> so, yeah, I would say. Dale Carnegie, Dale Carnegie taught me well when I was 15 <laughs> years old. <laughs> so, yeah, I would say, I would definitely say accountability. Um, is key, and I would say encouragement. So a lot of times it's permission, um, meaning oftentimes we know the right thing to do. We're just afraid to do it because for whatever reason, we don't trust ourselves or we don't see what's out there. And so having a, a voice outside of our own head that can, uh, you know, that can, you know, say yes to those beautiful, powerful things that, that are inside of us and also calls out on our BS and uh, that's expecting us to do what we said we would do. Um, yeah. Uh, that for me, that, that that's what makes the whole thing work. No, I could not agree more. I, I think it makes a ton of sense. So, like in terms of vision, man, like how, like you're you're in your twenties, mm -hmm. and a lot of people, like when when we help people dig into their why, like a lot of people, it's it's a uh, it's who do they want to be. Some people, it's how do they want to do their job or how do they want to be known. Other people, it's the things they want to have. So, what's the vision? that drives Miles Veth? Like how, like what propels you? Okay. So I, I think again, it's a hundred percent centered in my faith in God and, or at least 
place I want it to be 100% centered in my faith in God. And I, I think for me, it's just a vision of service. So as we're building our company, I want to build a company that puts our employees first. So, so our North Star is not profit or recognition. It's really building something that everyone can share in and makes their life better. And I think EMC, when it was founded by Dick Egan years ago, I saw that in a pretty tangible way of someone leading from the front who, I mean, this, this guy opened up his house to the entire town of Hopkinton, Massachusetts every Christmas. So you'd have wow. you know, thousands of people in his house, just to anybody who wanted to come. And I, I think that generosity from a business perspective is sort of where I start. And then to customers, I think I love being in the game of helping people grow their business because that allows them to provide for their family. But uh, I think for me, really, those two things are good business sense. I mean, that's, you're going to be successful if you serve your employees who then serve your customers. But ultimately, I'd love to serve the poor in a really scaled way, like, and mixing that compassionate care with um, sharing about you know, my belief or the organization's belief in God. And then I think I also want to have a marketing machine um, that will hopefully allow me to just continue to propel that message and um, yeah, I just really think that those kind of pieces to me will work together in some way, which I can't see now, but, um, to your point, I mean, there's a verse in Proverbs I love. I found it's Proverbs 14, 23 and all labor, there's profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. Um, and I think in a lot of this, they're airy visions, which you need, but, um, right now for me, it isn't all that glamorous. <laughs> a lot of your hands bleeding from writing notes, you're getting, you know, prospecting difficulty on the phone. So I, um, but that's sort of my high level vision. Mm. And Miles, um, talk to me about authenticity, man. Like you are, you're vocal about your faith. Uh, a lot of people are, um, they might be there internally, but externally, um, it's not that they're presenting a different picture. They're just not, um, they're not hiding it. So are, are they're not, uh, they're not forthright with it rather. Like, why is authenticity important to you? And, and, and why do you think it should but, be important to any of us? Yeah, so I think in the sales context, so I'll try to stay on point. I, I uh, can tend to get a lot off track, so feel free to corral me. But um, I think from a sales perspective, we, as people, we relate to people who are vulnerable and authentic. So if you, if you feel like you know somebody well, like I know you well, Donnie, I have a different level of trust for you because I understand what drives you. So I think for any of us, sharing what you actually believe in is interesting to people. Not many people do it. And it kind of sets the boundaries of what's acceptable. So for me, I have clients tell me all the time, I know you might lie to me by how you invoice us. And I'll stop them and say, I want you to understand, I will never do that because I don't answer to the bottom line of Veth Group. I answer to God. And I just that, and there's so many examples of where I think for me, I do draw lines where if I didn't believe in God, I'm not sure I would draw those same lines. And, and I want people to understand that that's how I expect to treat them. Um, and that's the standard that I will hold myself or anyone else to. And I think that's reassuring to people because it, the authenticity shines through. They realize I'm not messing around or just saying that. Mm. That's good stuff. And I always feel like too, Miles, it's so much easier just to be one version of yourself <laughs> rather than multiple versions. And I just feel like authenticity is so much easier. And I think that's what people answer to. So um, I, I love that about you too, man. Just the, it's hard work and, and it's just the truth. So um, 
to, like, okay, so we had on as a guest, uh, a lot of people listened to and loved um, Stu Heineck. It, it almost feels like in some ways what your, what like the method, and I'm not saying it's your only method, but when we're talking about 681 calls in a day from a single human um, versus uh, being very sniper-like in, in your activity, it feels like those are on opposing ends of the spectrum, but I don't think that you're necessarily opposing. And, and you, you know, um, you know, Stu Heineck, really the idea is how to get a meeting with anyone. It's like you, you really hone in on the ones that you want and then you snipe them. Um, and I'm, gosh, that sounds violent, but, <laughs> but, no, but can, don't shoot at can, people, please. Yeah. Can, yeah. can you it's reconcile, nice. I don't want to say reconcile, but can you bring that into alignment with, uh, with what works? Because I know that you're not all about just drill and kill, uh, you know, ground and pound type of stuff. Like, like, give me your, like, when you see, like, how, how does sales work? Yeah. So, so the, the best book apart from the Bible, I ever read is a book by someone named Ray Dalio called Principles. And Dalio is the best hedge fund manager on earth. Um, he runs or he ran something called Bridgewater, which manages more money in that space than anybody else. And his whole life, uh, he's really thought about it as evolution and adaptation and learning principles. So failure teaches you principles where you can say, I've seen this before. So he made a couple huge mistakes that sunk his company. And he started to build. So he wrote this great book that's just his life principles. So I think about prospecting because 100% because of that man's generosity to share that in the same way. So Stu is on this continuum of if there's three people who would make an unbelievable difference for your business, how do you get to them? If you're a named account rep and you're on Sell Anywhere and you work for Oracle and you cover Uber and Tesla and you're in California and that's all you do, how do you get to the CIO of those companies? On the other extreme is some of my clients who are selling low-cost software to schools, and they might make $150 per year per customer. So that the stew approach becomes too expensive and doesn't scale because they're trying to add thousands of customer. Our friend at Oracle is trying to add two. So I try to understand whenever I sit with a client, there's three pillars, and Donnie – I think about resources in my mind and networks. You're the best one I know at the most important of the three pillars, which is trust channels. Who already knows my customer who I can get to know or add value to? And referrals, like that's always going to be the best thing. Sadly, usually you can max that out quickly unless you're like you and you're just a total ninja at it, in which case maybe you can just always do that, which I think is amazing. The second thing's inbound, like putting out content. Like that's not going to be a short-term thing, but it is going to over time just continue to build a brand, which creates a lot of serendipity. The third one I think about is outbound. So in what Stu's doing, I love it. I mean, I right now, to be honest, I am about to take a client who sells to car dealerships. They're massive deals, like more profit than I've ever seen on a transaction. And we're going to do something like paying a professional cartoonist to caricature pictures of them in Iron Man suits and send them burner cell phones that I'm going to be calling at specific times and sending flower bouquets them to bring home to their wives and sending jerseys to their favorite sports teams and micro, micro focus like Stu. Mm. But at the same time, as I showed you before I get on this, I have a thousand note cards sitting over there that are much more of a, how do we drive down the cost of appointment at scale? So I, I'm not married to any anything. I don't want to be romantic about cold calling versus running LinkedIn ads versus 
I mean, I'm building a list off Instagram for a potential customer, right? Like it just totally depends based off what's needed. So, so I think, and that's why I'm glad you went there. I, I love that um, when we talk to Miles Veth, we're talking to someone who just says, man, whatever works. Like stop, stop just saying it's this way or that way. Uh, it, it's, you know, um, there, there's so many little micro wars that are happening out there and you're just out there getting it done. Yeah. Well, I think you're the only thing we're married to. Yeah. Is the, uh, this idea of demand acceleration of, if I start to go to referrals, like my first starting point is who already is good at this. Donnie Tuttle's good at this. Donnie, will you teach me? If you won't teach me, can I pay you to teach me? If you don't have time still, do you know anyone who can teach me? Like get, get a 80% good enough starting point and then just run it up like crazy. So if you say this is a good method, I say he seems to know what he's doing. I'm going to go do it four times as much as anyone's ever done it in a week. And then that gets my ball rolling of now I'm iterating and trying new things and tracking. And, and I think that's where I'm a huge proponent of separating effectiveness and efficiency because you can have them both. And everybody who debates me on LinkedIn, which I'm happy to have debates, but they say, oh, you made 600 dials. That's terrible. I research people. Like, prove to me that works. It's like, it's not about proving something works. They're completely independent. So the method to me, I am 100% married to this method of demand acceleration, but the actual pieces, I can't be because I can't serve a client and Veth Group can't serve a client if we're biased towards any type of thing. So we have to be able to do all of it. Mm. Is there is there anything that you can um, you can think of that you either you've done yourself or you've done for a client uh, that actually yielded like the yield was phenomenal. So not so there was effort and and then there's yield. So is it anything that stands out in your brain? Yeah, there's there's a lot of really interesting case studies. Um, so when I was at EMC. I got tasked with cracking one of the largest retailers in the country, which was not a customer of EMC at the time, at least in any meaningful way. And I took this approach and I made 850 calls into the account over a month. And that actually didn't work. But what worked was I wrote handwritten notes to every IT director. And then this is a lesson in, um, that taught me work ethic probably more than anything. And everyone often leaves uh, around 2 or 3 p.m. on Fridays or goes to happy hour as a team or whatever. And I generally objected to this type of activity because I, I just really believe in, I mean, when you watch The Pursuit of Happiness and those kind of movies, you just really believe in pushing yourself as hard as possible. So I actually got this IT director from this company on the phone at something like 4.30 in the afternoon on a Friday when no one else was in the office. Um, and he ended up taking an appointment. So that was an interesting example of classing up to Stu's world of scale didn't work, but then I shifted to something a little bit more depth heavy. Um, there's a lot of examples. I won't share the people's names because they're mentors to me, but of some of the most famous business people in the world where I've been able to build relationships doing the same thing, like hyper depth, like emailing them at three in the morning with a subject line that says it's admire this or that about you. Um, in terms of the client work we've been doing, um, I think there's a lot of times where I've seen rapid scale work. So for example, 
um, sending out like scaled calendar invites to get opportunities. We um, found a great opportunity for a client that's turned into a really good customer for them. Um, I'm just getting into VETH groups. I mean, we're, we're still sub 10 customers and a lot of stuff's rolling. So I don't have a million case studies yet, but I've seen even like we have a company in the elevator space where they, um, some email marketing that we were doing um, at scale worked well for them. So it really just depends, uh, yeah, on what they need. I'm sure that was probably too long-winded, so I'm sorry. No, <laughs> no, perfect, man. Those are, those are yeah. good things. I'm over here writing notes and uh, we're gonna be, I'm, I'm launching the Tuttle group tomorrow. And we will be doing, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. So, I'm like Donkey Kong, I'm ready. Take me to, uh, so you, you leaving uh, EMC and jumping yep. into what you're doing right now with the Veth Group, I'm sure that took a ton of courage. And like, like how, what was, what was the most difficult thing to overcome there? Was it, was it inside your head? Was it uh, like, like how do you take this step and, and, and what's been the result? So definitely was nerve wracking. I, so I actually went from EMC to CVM, which is my dad's IT business. My dad's an extremely successful entrepreneur, um, has done an amazing job in his business, and I've learned a lot from him. So when I did that for a while, I've, we've kept CVM as a customer. So he, to be honest, as much as I'd love to say that it's been this terrifying, uh, didn't have any cash flow from day one. Um, both him and then his brother, who's also an entrepreneur, I've had the chance to work with. So it, it got us going where now we've, we've been able to branch out a lot, but I definitely was nervous about it, like from a resume perspective or from a, you know, what if I can't get any clients or something, but I can't say my well-being was in question because I, my dad really has had my back, which is an enormous blessing. And I recognize a, a huge advantage relative to a lot of entrepreneurs. Mm. All right, just wanted to take a real quick break here because I want you to go and hit the pause button and go over and connect with me on social media. Because if you're not there, like, first off, how can we even be called friends, right? I want you to find me on LinkedIn. I want you to find me on Instagram. And it's Donnie Tuttle, D-O-N-N-I-E, Tuttle, T-U-T-T-L-E. And let's connect because here's the deal. Any of those little thought nuggets, any of those, you know, those things that are happening to me throughout my week, you are going to be able to connect with. And boy, I'd love to interact with you. So go ahead and do that. Let's keep the interaction going. Let's keep the party going. And now back to the show. I, I'm, I'm putting myself in the mindset of someone who, let's just say, um, let's say I left my company scenario. And now I'm in a place where either A, I'm an, an, I'm an entrepreneur doing something for myself. Or B, I am, uh, maybe I'm in a sales scenario or a leadership, we'll just say sales, we'll keep it in sales, a sales scenario that is not, um, I mean, it's just, it's, it's new. How do I, how do I, how would you get to rapid growth? What would you tell me? So I would look at war actually as an analogy. I'd look at like in World War II, how Winston Churchill ran like his army and or how Eisenhower invaded Normandy, or and I, I think I look for those analogies a lot. And the biggest things I take away from that are focus and muscle. So if you look at Eisenhower, there are 19 invasion points for Normandy. They chose six. They put like 155,000 people through six invasion points, not 19. So I think I'll, I first mistake I see people make is they back to that verse in Proverbs about you know labor profit 
chatter, idle, poverty. Um, you, a lot of people drop these ridiculous plans that are unreasonable based off what they can actually pull off. And then nothing ever really happens from a muscle perspective. So normally, and I think you have a, you're a great example of someone who's building a brand in enough of a niche that you own this, like no one else owns the market you're trying to own. So I, I think I just think about where can you carve out a small enough niche to get going? And then honestly, it's just how bad you want it. Because if you want it bad enough, you almost always get it in America right now. How bad do you want it? And so if you like in, 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 what, like when you see what have you what do you have to overcome in yourself and what do you see in others that like maybe i don't know have like a lower set thermostat i just i just noticed some some people they don't really want it that bad and why do you think that is so this is an interest gary vaynerchuk who's someone who has been very from uh, him i mean i i listened to his podcast i try to listen to everything comes out in it he really points back to backgrounds it's like most people are hungry because of the background they've had grandparents i mean grew up in jersey outside hey. new york city and hey miles uh, miles yes i'm gonna have to ask that question again for some reason you're breaking up is your is your um wi-fi signal decent it should be decent sorry about that no it's okay let's see so I'm going to try that again. Um, and I, I asked the question in kind of a, a dopey way too. So, no, I'm, I'm uh, sorry. My bad. So, so um, all right. And actually, I, I love where you're going. And, and um, I think I'm a, I'll have to back up. I want you to go through the war focus, that whole thing. And I always mm -hmm. like the whole like bullets till you have cannonball, like that whole thing that you do sometimes. Yep. Um, so I want to, I want to go there. So um, gosh. What was <laughs> what was the uh, question? So we're talking about why some people are hungrier than others. Okay, good. Yeah, thank you. So, Miles, you 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 are you are like I said earlier, young and hungry. That's just that's just, there's no doubt about it. There are other people out there who are who are not as hungry, and it sounds like you're saying this is like the factor <laughs> that actually you've seen that gets people um, to the place of we'll just call it success, business success, sales success. Why do you think some people have it and and other people don't. I think it's a great question. And at the age of 26, without having accomplished incredible things in my life, I'm speaking more from the experience of people I trust than myself. But Bill McDermott, the CEO of SAP, he wrote at the end of his book, Winner's Dream. That's what matters at the end of the day. Like the person who wants it more is going to win. And why some people have it or don't have it, I think is mostly their background. So for me, my grandfather, um, my dad's dad, and he grew up in a low-income part of New Jersey uh, in the Meadowlands, very immigrant-heavy. Like my relatives on, the, on my dad's side of the family had recently come from like Italy and Germany. And I think he became an entrepreneur, but it was not an easy journey. My dad had to build his business completely from scratch. So I've seen my dad kind of live the American dream firsthand from like, how am I going to feed my two kids to um, – being able to be one of the most generous people in the community. Mm. And I think seeing that for me, my dad has done an amazing job of preserving uh, that fight because we haven't really been given much. So he, he's had, he's been able to build up to that point of stability. So it's, we know we have, he has our back, but we've had to earn everything as kids. And I think that's really important 
uh, in terms of why some people have it or don't. But at the end of the day, I don't know that everyone needs to have it at an extreme. Like it really depends what they want to accomplish. I just look at it. You're only on earth once. I want to give my best to God and I got to be a steward of everything he's given me and work ethic um, based off the people, uh, you being one of them who I've learned from, it seems to be the best thing to work on of all the different things you could try to work on. Mm. Well, all right. Take me to the other side of that too, right? Because, um, uh, gosh, man, there's so many people um, that have, uh, they've adopted this outwork everyone in sight method, right? And they flip the switch and then the switch gets broken and that's where they stay. And um, in their life is off kilter, it's off balance. They're not necessarily living it towards vision. Um, when you, when you think about living intentionally and living on purpose and you think about, um, you know, the, I don't know if it's amount of time or amount of hours or, or concentration, like how, how do you balance it? Yeah. So I think everybody's different. And even for me, something like building email lists is not the way my brain works relative to getting to have conversations. So I think you will drain faster not doing things you're good at. So as, much, as soon as possible, I would try to get into the things that you're really good at mm. and love because those are going to propel you. But I, I agree. And I actually want to point this back at you because you have so many kids. You have so much more responsibility than me and you're still finding a way to do all this stuff. So what, how do you think about it? <laughs> oh, God. I mean, for me, honestly, it's, a, it's, it's constantly evolving. I don't, um, I don't feel like um, your answer would be my answer or even that my answer would be my answer a year or five years ago. And so um, I think that the definition of work should be if something actually works. Um, I, I think that um, too many of us are sold on the idea of a time or of a number or of something else that we define as pro productivity. And I think that we actually all need to define what success and productivity is to us. And then the question is, is how can I be strategic about obtaining that? And, and being not married to any particular uh, you know, means, method, or really picture that someone else has put out there. But um, you know, I, I just, I, I don't know. I, 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 and I feel like getting out of the um, survival mindset is powerful too, because if you're surviving, you're always fighting. And if you're fighting, you're not really living uh, the life of, that I believe that we were meant to live of joy in peace and in abundance. Um, and we can fight what, like, I guess the question is, is what fight would you fight if you didn't have to fight? Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. Um, yeah. So I, I agree with you, man. I think, and just to echo what you said, I don't work at all on Sundays and that that's a biblical principle, like keeping the Sabbath, the Sabbath. So I, I don't, I would rather, um, be late on a deliverable as, as much as that would make me sick and like, puke or something and depending on how bad the deliverable was i wouldn't work on sunday no matter what because I, I think that goes back to that north star of i'm honoring god i'm not you know building a business apart from trying to honor god um in terms of what would the fight be i i think for me it's always going to be a struggle because i'm going to want to lead from the front so if i'm at, so i really need to build a business where nobody has to work crazy hours um because i i'm not i don't ever want to ask someone to do something that i wouldn't be willing to do in a higher quantity than they are but uh, I think for me, that fight will just transition to ministry and service. And um, I think family, as you've done, is very important to me still. And I consider it more important than business, even at this stage of life. Um, 
I'm not married at the moment, but in any relationship I'm in, I'm always aware of that, of that, like that's going to have to be prioritized above everything but faith. So I, I agree with you. I think those fights change, but I do think if people really want to say they're working a hundred hours a week or whatever you see on LinkedIn, like a hundred hours a week is every breathing moment of the day. So I just think we have to be realistic about what it is we want to accomplish and actually backing up what we're saying with what we're doing. Cool. All right. So <laughs> did you hear the beeping? Yeah. Yeah. No, all good. That's, that's hilarious. All right. So, uh, and that's a part of our balance. You just heard it in the background, my wife uh, cooking breakfast and uh, we have uh, we sit around and we talk for a couple of hours every Saturday, every, everyone in the family. And it's just, you know, it's what works for us. But, um, you know, it's, it's interesting because I guess in that question, you know, I always see, um, oh gosh. <laughs> and by the way, to anyone who is ever saying they can't start a podcast or anything, like this is totally fine. You roll with it, <laughs> laugh just like Donnie's doing. This is organic. It's more interesting than scripted. Oh man, it's great. Well, I mean, to me, it's also the same thing as a sales call, right? You jump into the sales call, you never know what's going to happen. And the sooner you can embrace that, I think the better off you're going to be. Um, you script it out. You certainly try to head in the direction, but you embrace the fact that it's a dance and uh, it's not a serious one either. Don't take yourself so seriously. So, <laughs> but, uh, And one thing on that I'd love to mention for me, I know a lot of salespeople, interestingly, kind of dread client calls for whatever reason. Um, so they have it on a schedule. It's like, oh, I have a two o'clock call. And, and I've found the trigger for me to really get the most out of sales calls is actually to think like, how can I show love to this prospect? Like what, how can I make it so they would have paid me for the time spent on the phone today? And that, uh, this is random, but that sh trigger has totally helped me to just want to get on the phone with everybody. Like to Whoa. Scheduled interaction. So it's a random little thought, but I think it matters. Oh, dude, that's the best thing you shared today. That's so good because it starts in the mindset. And so and so you you basically back up and say, I'm not dreading this. I'm actually empowered by this. You redefine it. Totally. Because I think I have Simon Sinek said something the other day where when he speaks, he used to feel nervous and now he calls it excitement instead of being nervous. And it's so much of it is our mindset of how we view the emotions we have. But I think that that shift for me has been really helpful because especially when I was in IT sales, when I wasn't um, always overly enthusiastic about you know, storage arrays compared to the stuff you and I are talking about now, it was a challenge for me to get like, really excited for each call until I got to the point where it's like, I can be like a sunshine to this person in the middle of wherever they're sitting, like even if it's for 30 minutes. And I think that's made me a lot more effective at um, at getting the most out of interactions, yeah. So I thought I'd share that. Oh, I'm glad you did. And actually, um, so I even, I even, I know we were talking a little bit. I was kind of going towards schedule, but really, this this whole call thing. Like, how does one get excited to make a hundred calls or two hundred calls? Like, how does one actually like what mindset? What do you tell yourself before that versus someone that says, "Oh God, I got to make all these calls." Like, how do you like what, what's going on in your brain before you're about to pick up the phone? So for me, to be honest, I'm pretty battle hardened at this point. I mean, I've, I've done it a lot, so it doesn't, I don't really try to psych myself out too much. But what's and there? I, what's naturally there though? Yeah. Oh yeah. So I'm just trying to think, I think the best way to shortcut that process is I would think about who you're serving through those calls. So if like, even if you don't know the person yet, like part of my goal in business is 
there's someone who hasn't even been born yet, who's some other person across the country is going to try to get into human trafficking in 30 years. Like I want the organization we build to play a part in stopping that. I, that person hasn't even been born yet, but like I'm mm. dialing for that person. <laughs> like I'm at the office at one in the morning uh, because I want to keep building the capability so we can build scale that helps my dad's business. It's like we, I, I think for me, that's what drives you because we're not capable of incredible feats of discipline without a great reason. And, and a lot of people do the sales for money, but money is not a great motivator when 30 calls in, you feel like it's so painful, like, but wanting to serve your family or the, you know, the least of these or your future business partner, however you think about it. I think that's an incredible motivator. I love it. That's so cool, man. I mean, I don't know the, the warrior fights, not because he hates what's in front of him, but because he loves what's behind him. Right. Find Absolutely. your, find your cause. Yeah. Cause I think if you have that cause, I try to tell people this because, because the number one thing I get is people tell me I'm going to burn out. I get it all at EMC. My manager sat me down like, and I turned to my manager. Maybe this is embarrassing, but, and I just said, I, I'm a electric Yankee candle. Like I get plugged into the wall. Like I don't, <laughs> There's no wax supply. <laughs> Maybe that's a dumb thing to say, but I think it, I agree with you. If, if what's if what's behind you is strong enough, I mean, I the I am not a big crier. The only thing that can bring me to tears is seeing people in situations on Earth that they are being deprived of basic human rights, and no one is there to support them. Like if, if you think about that for two minutes, whatever that causes to you, first of all, there's this massive divide of where that person is versus me sitting in the United States of America in an air conditioned office with the worst thing I have to do being hit dial while I'm talking, you know, to someone else. Like it's really not that bad in that contrast, but it's also like that person needs me to do that because if I do that, and I go get a bigger share of commerce in America and I point that at that person instead of pointing it at myself, it'll like, that will literally change the world. Mm. Dude, that's so good. All right. So in that same vein and that's in the same flow here, I'm miles. I want you to, um, I want you to jack someone up right now. And I don't like, and you do it any way you want, like yeah. whichever way you like to come from. Okay. But the yeah. person, this, this is a person, let's just say they're, they're sitting there and they are, uh, they're in the air conditioned room. And, um, and they just have major call reluctance. That phone is in front of them. And for whatever reason, maybe that, that first, that, that first dial is it, it, the phone weighs 500 pounds. What do you, what, what would, what would you say to them? Just so think about your machine. Your machine is a lot bigger than one call or one rejection or one success. You're trying to run a process. And so don't think about, the individual rejection as failure because you need it. Like it's, it's all shaping you. Like you're just like a pot of clay and all these different experiences when you go out and prospect are just going to continue molding you as the clay until you turn into something that's really impressive. So just go get punched in the face a bunch. It, 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 <laughs> that you, like, yeah, you actually want that. And, and, don't, and don't be romantic about it. So if like cold calling might not be the best way to hit your market, and by the way, my personal cell phone, 203-641-3940, just like Donnie, I really value generosity. You can text me or call me and I will 
if you're an individual, I'm not trying to turn you into a client. I'm just saying if you just need an extra opinion, like let's talk about it. Because it, like, if it's that painful for you over a sustained period of time, we probably need to shift how you're doing things. But in terms of the individual car reluctance, you're playing a bigger game. Like you're trying to run a process. And if you get that process going, it's not emotional because you failure is fine. Like I, yeah, that, that'd be my advice. Like you just think bigger than the one call. You're playing a bigger game and right. There's, there's no one person out there, guys, that's going to make or break your business except you. Right, you're the only you're the only one, dude. This is this is really good stuff. I've, I'm I'm uh, so glad that we kind of took a little bit of a, a detour there because, um, man, this is just powerful. Tell me about your schedule, Miles. That that I wanted to get there because I, I'm sure you're you you have to be schedule driven. Uh, I try to be. I to be honest, I am not always the best at it. I I compensate sometimes for being all over the place by working really hard. Um, but I, I think one of the things that's been great is, so my sister, Christy, just joined Veth Group a few weeks ago, and we are moving to a 100% scheduled model for everyone in the company starting next week. So you basically get given a paper schedule by Christy, and you're expected to do what's supposed to be done in each of those time blocks. So for me, I think I do have to compensate for what is a weakness of kind of being that extrovert front man who runs around talking to people all day and sometimes um, can't sit still for really long periods of time. But in terms of my schedule right now, I normally am at the office between 7.30 and 8.30 in the morning, and I'm normally working until about midnight unless there is a family or close friend um, trade-off, at which point I will always put the family or, or close friend trade-off above work um but yeah that, that's how i think about it. so right now i think i'm trying to work to become more scheduled because i've found that i i just love people and i will literally want to talk to 100 people who reach out to me on linkedin <laughs> all day long and now i have christy to say well miles that's great but like we're building a list of fifty-seven thousand emails and i need you to go manage those outsourcers building that so um, yeah. So for me, I think as I'm building a business has been harder than being a sales rep because there's so many more things that can distract you. Mm. But, um, yeah, that's how I think about it. I don't, that's maybe not even helpful. I mean, how do you think about it? You might have a much better. Oh gosh. Well, I mean, actually, uh, my, uh, <laughs> my key takeaway there was, um, if you're scattered, just hire your bossy sister. <laughs> and you'll be yeah. fine. Yeah, or a coach. I think, like you said, a coach. That's a that's a coach. That's the kind of thing a coach could do. Pay them an extra hour a week to say, "Can you give me a schedule every day and text me at the end of the day?" Yeah, I mean, I mean, like for for me, I feel like that. Um, again, just going back to uh, you know, intentional life. I I personally feel miles that um, that that. I, I am a I am a hammer or a weapon or a tool or whatever that's being fashioned and that everything that I'm doing needs to be going and flowing in that direction and who it is that um, that, that I want to be and who it is that I'm being by doing the things that I'm doing should all line up and those all happen only in the space of time and if it doesn't if I if it doesn't happen on time it does you know in on a schedule it really it doesn't live it's just an imagination mm -hmm. and um, you know, and I, and, and when I, I know that when I say yes to one thing, I'm also saying no to another. So for me, when I look at a schedule, it's actually just me telling myself what to do. And it's me telling myself who I'm going to be. 
and um, it should be a reflection just like my my um, my my checking whatever that is like where you can see what you spent it should be a reflection of actually all of my beliefs in life of what I say I value and so um, I don't know I, I'm I and at the same time there needs to be flexibility um, because if you're if you're at least for me if I try to do if I try to be on schedule for every minute of the day, I would get frustrated and break. I'm just not that personality. I've worked with people who they are. And so for me, I just build in flex time to where it's like, um, to where all the things, those little things that I want to get at or the little LinkedIn things or whatever, I just put that into flex time. And so that way I don't feel bad. Um, or I, and I also um, don't tell myself that I'm not going to have the uh, chocolate, right? I just say, I'll have the chocolate when I, at this controlled time. So um, yeah, that's, that's been a big, um, that's for me that that's big when we move. I, I just, I have to find that. I have to find that or else I'm in a free fall and um, it's not pretty. It's not well, pretty. and I think two great things you mentioned there, there's a Bible verse in James. I love where it says, you show me your faith without works and I'll show you my faith by my works. Mm. And I think that uh, is just so convicting for anyone who's like, if someone says they want to be Elon Musk, like look at what Elon Musk is doing. Like if you're not matching that level of intensity of how he thinks and how he acts, like it's going to be hard to become him. Mm. Um, and he, he was given nothing, Musk, separate issue. But um, I think the second thing, and if this might be good for the commercial for this episode, the way to do 600 dials is task batching. So basically yeah. we use these things called call sheets where you take all the phone numbers you have to call, the names, the notes of whatever you're going to say in the call, Get that all on a piece of paper, turn off your phone, turn off your computer, go sit. I mean, a lot of you guys who sell anywhere, go like, go get a Jabra headset. They're like 140 bucks, which sounds expensive, but they're wind resistant. So they can't pick up wind. Go sit by a lake and make your calls. I've seen you do that, Donnie, like calling in kind of more fun areas than like a mundane room. Oh yeah. But if you use a call sheet, I found that's the trick because for me, like today I, I have to send out a couple hundred webinar invites and a bunch of these call sheets. Cause if anyone wants a call sheet, by the way, just um, ask me on LinkedIn. Cause I'm happy to give it to you an example. But um, when I have to do a big task like that, I, if I try to do it ad hoc and mix 10 things at once, this is back to your point about scheduling, which I do think I do do a decent job of. So when I have to do something like last night when I was doing all these notes, like that's all you're doing. Every other distractions out of the way. Um, because otherwise, I think we become, in the age of the internet, we are too distractible. Like if if our LinkedIn is buzzing at us, we are incapable of looking at that and not letting us pull us off track. Hmm. Because we're, I mean, really, because we're dopamine releases in your brain. Because if you're trained, a LinkedIn touch is like that might be a new customer, that might be a new like, that might be. We actually are, we're all addicted to dopamine releases from these things to some degree. So the, we got to really be firm if, if we're actually going to perform at a high level in sales to make sure that we block out those distractions to do these tasks. Mm. Or you got to work 23 hours a day, which most people can't do. So you, yeah, you one or the other. Good stuff, man. Yeah, I definitely believe in the batching and uh, you know, blocking. That's, that's powerful, man. All right, my friend, this has been, this has been a power-packed time. I've gone longer with you than I typically do just because there's so much good stuff you've been digging into and it has been, it's, it's been awesome. Um, 
Miles, I was hoping maybe you could you could send us off, man, with with maybe on a high note. Uh, okay. If there's anything you'd like to encourage uh, those out there, uh, you know, again, whether uh, whether they're in a a good place but they need to be in a better place, or maybe they're they're just not they're not stepping into all that they should be doing and all that they should be being. Man, if you can if you can give one last exhortation and then mention that cell phone number again, you know, or however you'd like us to get in touch with you. If you'd like us to reach out, man, that that would be awesome. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I'm going to actually point you guys to someone who's a much better speaker than me. Donnie's very kind to be interviewing me, but I, um, as you can probably tell, if you're still listening at this point, uh, uh, do not do this the right all that regularly. So what I would say is go look up Dabo Swinney. He's the head football coach at Clemson. There's a video he has on YouTube called Ducks Quack Eagles Soar. Mm. And it is the best video I have ever seen about taking control of your environment. And it's about a taxi cab driver who provided such good service. He was able to, I think, 4X his income based off. He built a private limo service out of a yellow cab in a city just by service you provide. So watch the video. That is my biggest message is we are capable like, let's just pursue excellence together. I will always be a practitioner in this space. So again, my cell phone, 203-641-3940. I use this time on Saturdays to talk to anybody who wants to talk about anything. So like, please reach out to me. We can schedule time if you just need a quick text of encouragement. Uh, but I think, what, like, let's just keep pushing forward. I've seen it so many times. I got to meet the best people in the world at EMC. I've gotten to meet some of the greatest like CEOs of Fortune 500 companies who are sales leaders, they, it actually works. Like work ethic and I, I really believe seeking God and work ethic and doing the right thing over a sustained period of time, like, you will get to where you're going. So that, that's my biggest thought is, and you don't need to take it from me, take it from the millions of people like Warren Buffett who sit back and tell you that. <laughs> Miles, Beth, thank you for bringing the thunder today, my friends. Uh, and, and, and for the listeners, guys, let's, let's all of us uh, take from that, um, all of the things that, that Miles has packed in there, just take more courage in, in what you're doing, run into the war with, uh, with focus and with muscle, right? Grab hold of vision that's going to push you beyond yourself and out of your, whatever makes you comfortable to do the things that you know you need to do. To, to be the person that you need to be. And um, let's go out there and crush it. And always remember, your talent is not limited by your zip code. If you can sell anywhere, you can sell everywhere. And last thought, Donnie Tuttle, by the way, I really think having a coach, if you're in sell anywhere, I believe in what he's doing. is very hard to be accountable unless you're like Jocko Willink and have gone through Navy SEAL training. So I really believe in what he's doing. So anyone who's listening to this, I just want to, endorsed donnie uh-huh. is a great way to actually get that out of yourself because 99 percent of people will listen to this and not become one percent and i think you got to find what you're going to do that other people don't do a lot of people don't use coaches that could be the one percent thing i just wanted to make sure i've got that in there love it brother i'm gonna move that to the front <laughs> thank you miles super bowl commercial <laughs> hey thanks for joining us and before you hit that next button on that phone I want you to continue with me for just a little bit longer because I've put something together especially for you. I want you to go over to DonnieTuttle.com and you are going to find that I have put together a course 
on selling anywhere. I have literally taken all of the mistakes out of this thing that I've learned over the course of two and a half years, and I provide a template of how you can go out there and sell anywhere. Everything from the traveling and the moving to the setup to the teardown to the mindset methods and motivation to different formats of being able to present to people in a way that is compelling. I have done that for you and I'm asking you to go to donnytuttle.com and download the first class session for free. Thanks for joining us and we'll catch you on the next episode.